you turn in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, right there. There should be a Bible next to you in the pews if you don't have one with you this morning. We're going to read 1 through 20. Let's give attention to God's holy word. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you understand this parable? Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire For other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Please be seated. As we come to this passage, we need to look at several things before we dig into it, and, and there's so much here, I just want to go ahead and say that when we're done with the sermon this morning, if you say, wow, there were other things that could, you're right, there's just, this is a huge amount to take in, so we're going to, to look at it and hopefully look at it in ways that we can then have a better understanding of it, but Jesus is clearly saying to us, and hopefully from the title of the sermon, you're, you're getting the idea that what we have is a privileged position that the people Jesus was speaking to did not have. Because, see, they got it all in parables. They only got that first part. But we, sitting here this morning, whether we believe or not, have the privilege of getting inside information on the kingdom of God. Because that is what is being discussed here. See, in some sense, what Jesus is trying to give these men these apostles of his, is an interpretive grid for understanding parables. But not just understanding parables, really, it's an interpretive grid that helps you really start to see great portions of the Bible. 
So as we begin to look at this, we realize that as we come to look at this parable, we can't just see it as an interesting story. And if you understand it, great. Jesus says something very different. He says, if you don't understand this, you have no forgiveness. If you don't get the parable, you're outside the people of God. If you don't see, you're blind. If you don't hear, you're deaf at least spiritually speaking. So this is rather a serious passage of Scripture. It's really weighty. And obviously there's a lot of interpretations out there which people have come to and they tend to focus on a variety of things. But here's how I want us to begin to look at this. What I want us to see is that these men and us are receiving info on what the kingdom looks like, the power that it possesses and the way it advances. And I want us to begin to understand that. The first point that I want us to look at is the liberality of the kingdom. Now, I want you to take that word and let it be everything it needs to be. The liberality of the kingdom of Christ. And I just want you to think about that for a minute because oftentimes when it comes to the kingdom of God, the, the word that does not come to most people's mind first is liberality. In fact, there are some people who want to try and squelch that idea, but what you see here in the kingdom as, it, as it's going forth is what? The sower came forth to sow and he just threw the seed out. He's just throwing it out liberally. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening here so that you understand this. So many people, when they come to this passage, want to focus on the soil the different kinds of soil, but that's not really what this passage is about. It's not about the soil. The soil plays a part, but it's not the focal point. The focal point of this passage is the seed. It's the Word. It's being sown liberally. And the way that agriculture worked back in this day is where we know our agriculture, we plow first, plant later. They sowed first, plowed later. Because what they would do is they would throw out the seed and they'd go along with their stick or their plow and they'd plow up the ground and they'd cover over the seed. Which meant that when you're throwing out the seed, guess what you can't know? The quality of the soil. You don't know whether it's hard ground or full of thorns or good soil or it's the path because it all looks pretty much the same until you plow it up. Now, you see how that starts to give us a little insight into how the kingdom of God works. You're not out there being soil testers. That's not what's going on. There's a liberality of the word going forth. Do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? Can I tell you about Jesus? There's just a liberal overflowing of the word. And what's kind of amazing is, is that we know that the Word is the very one who's telling the parable, which gives it kind of an added kick. The other thing I want you to think about when we think about the liberality of this is somehow this is coming, and we're going to look at this in a few minutes as well, but I want to go ahead and throw it out now. Part of the reason why we're liberal with this is because we believe that the Word of God is not only creative, because it created the world, Genesis 1 tells us, by God's Word He spoke creation into existence, but we also see... And we looked at last week the fact that it's recreated, that the Word of God is able to recreate, to create a new heart. 
to take a heart of stone, as Ezekiel would tell us, and make it a heart of flesh. To be regenerative. Where death, spiritually speaking, existed, life is able to come. And so, you see, if you really believe that, you begin to become liberal, not conservative, in the spreading of the Word. It becomes something that we see as the very means of recreating and being creative. What we also see here in this passage is, as we look at the liberality of the kingdom, is, is this parable is centering on God and His power and not on man and his decisions. And that's why you can't make it about soils. What it really starts off with is what God is doing. The sower went out to sow, and he sows. And he plows. I think about Paul when he says in 1 Corinthians, you know, I planted, Apollos watered. And it was because of all that we did that it grew. No, it was God who was causing the growth. See, think about a seed. When a seed falls in the ground, we hear from another parable, the, the planter plants it and he goes away and it grows. He knows not how, but eventually what happens is a stem comes up and a bud is produced and then the leaf and then the full corn appears. It's the same idea that's happening in this parable. You see why Jesus could ask that question. If you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any parable? And you need to understand parables because that's the key to the kingdom. That's how you understand the kingdom, is to understand the parables. You need to be able to comprehend them. Well, the second thing I want us to look at then that we see coming out throughout this passage is the obstacles of the kingdom. You know, we look at verses 10, 11, and 12, and 13, and there are many people who read that and they become really consternated. I mean, Jesus is saying that if you don't, that you get it in parables so that you won't hear well, that's certainly part of what Jesus is saying, but the real reality that's, that's being played out in this parable is it's being told in parables so that only those who have ears to hear will hear it. But see, once again, it draws it away from the hearer and draws it to the one who gives hearing. The focus of this continues to be about those who are able to hear, not because of the quality in themselves, but something that is granted to them. What we want to see then is the obstacles of the kingdom then are hard hearts. See, think about it. That path that's so hard, what happens when someone hears the word of God and has a really hard heart? It lands on them rock solid. It does nothing. And so it's very simple for, quote-unquote, the birds or Satan to scoop it away. It's the kind of idea that when you're talking with someone and you're talking to them about spiritual things, they'll sit there and have the conversation with you, but as soon as the conversation can change to something else, they're off and running. It's really it's like talking about anything else. It's like, you know, we're at the movies to get popcorn. Oh, and, and, and I'm a sinner and I need a... I mean, it's just there is no depth at all. It's just hard. See, what's really going on there is a show of hard-heartedness. So we understand that that's one of the things that can hinder the fruitfulness of the gospel is hard hearts. That has to be dealt with. The second thing we see is Jesus said at the very beginning of this in verse 3, listen or behold, see, a sower went out to sow. And then he talks about he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So we realize that another problem 
an obstacle to the kingdom is being deaf spiritually, an inability to hear. That must be overcome. Without it, there is no hope of entering the kingdom. Other things we see here that we're told about is fear of persecution because of the word. That's what we see in that soil where they they don't have much root. There's not much depth. They immediately grow up and they're joyful and they're excited and everyone's happy. and, And then affliction and suffering and persecution come directly as part of knowing and believing the word. And they fall away and they ultimately don't produce fruit. And then there's that last category of soil that we see there. And this is the, the last obstacle is the love of this world. The love of the things that this world can provide so much that you'd rather pursue those things than the, than the kingdom of God. And think about Jesus' word in Matthew. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. But do you see how all of this becomes obstacles to the growth? Which tells us if they're obstacles, if this is how things are happening, it's not so much to say, so how do I make my soil good soil? It's more to drive us to realize we need something to make us good soil. Because when the plowing comes, it reveals what we are, and then we're exposed. And that brings us to the last point then. The prosperity of the kingdom. See, what we're really supposed to get in this, and if you look at this parable, you're supposed to see a long period of time. What really is happening is is that Jesus is sitting there as the inauguration. See, what, what did he tell them at the very beginning of the book of Mark? Repent and believe because the kingdom of God has drawn near. See, the reality is the kingdom of God has come in the person of Jesus And so what he's beginning to do as he begins to to lay it out is now there's this long, there's this sowing and there's this process of growth and struggle and people falling away, people's being exposed to who they really are, an unwillingness to hear and believe. And yet in the midst of all those obstacles, something incredible happens. At the end of the age, a harvest now see, that's what you're really supposed to understand because in some sense, what Mark's readers by the time, and as we're reading Mark with them, what we're supposed to realize is this. We've seen the Herodians and the Pharisees join forces. We've seen people with hard hearts. We're going to see in just a couple of chapters his own apostles, his own disciples, where he has to say to them, are you so hard of heart that you don't believe? You see, in some sense, we're really being drawn to in this parable is to say, how can the kingdom advance in the midst of all these obstacles, hard hearts, deaf ears, all the allurements of the world, persecution, oppression, people against us at every side, who can stand? And do you see then when you get to the end of this parable and you see that it's not just a small harvest, Oh, some 30, but some 60, and even a hundredfold, which by those agricultural standards would have been a bumper crop. I mean, it was a massive harvest. The reality is to say that in the midst of what seems to be unconquerable odds, the kingdom of heaven succeeds. It'd be kind of like this if you went out to the middle of the desert Right? And you, you started to just throw seed out and you ran a stick down it 
And all of a sudden, you came back and there was this full field of harvest. You'd be amazed. You'd be going against all odds. There has come a harvest and not just a few scraggly plants. You know how when you get away from water sources, what mesquite trees look like. It's amazing. My mesquite trees are these massive things in my front yard, but you get out into the, to the scrub and there's these little bitty things that you walk by like a bush. But think about that. If you were to walk in, if you had thrown out seed and all of a sudden you walked in and you saw these massive oak trees in the middle of the desert. Or you saw this whole line. And for those of you that don't know this, as I drive up to Phoenix, lots of times when, when the, the cotton is out in the fields, it reminds me of growing up in Memphis when we used to drive into the delta of Mississippi or in the delta of Arkansas. And you'd see just row after row after row of cotton fields. And it just shocks me. Every time I drive by it and I see these massive rows of Pima cotton, it's just this is a desert. And all this cotton, which is very hard on the soil, it's a very... Uh, it's, it's a very tedious crop to grow. And you see this massive amounts of this bumper crop, this harvest. It's that idea. It's amazing. It's overwhelming. And that's what you're supposed to see here. So that you will then not be a person who is disbelieving, but believing. What I want us to see then as we look at the prosperity of the kingdom is the power of the seed. The first thing I want us to see about the seed is the seed is life-containing. Peter picked up on this when he wrote in 1 Peter 1.23, he says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Where did Peter get such an idea? Right here in this parable. The Word, the living and abiding Word of God is powerful. It's life-containing. It has life in it. And we know that from a seed, right? When you put a seed in the ground, within that little bitty seed... Even a mustard seed contains the power to generate a bush that birds can come and nest in. It's powerful. It grows and prospers. You see, Jesus is laying out this foundation of the Word, of this seed being life-containing. The seed is also life-producing. James, picking up on this in 118, says, Of his own will, that being God, he brought us forth by the Word of truth, that we should be a kind of first-fruits, of his creatures. And you see how powerful this parable becomes because you start to see it being picked up in other parts of the scriptures and laid out. This word not only contains life, it produces life. It produces life not just in itself, it gives life to others. We begin to see how it's prospering in the midst of adversity. The focus of the parable, as I've said before, is centered on God, but it specifically is centered on God as He's revealed in Jesus. And we see that Jesus is laying out that to understand this is to see Him, ultimately. The other thing I want us to realize this, as Jesus looks at this, is what does a seed have to do in its process in order to produce life? It has to fall into the ground and die. A seed actually dies in order to live and produce life. And we see that when Jesus is telling this parable, what he's really laying out for us very sincerely, with very focused intentionality, is that seed which contains life and produces life must die and go into the soil. And out of it will produce life. Some 30 some 60, 
even a hundredfold at the end of the age. And you see how what we're beginning to get here is the hope of the gospel. That at the end of the day, what we see is the hope that we need to change. It's not to get ourselves right. It's not to figure out what kind of soil we are. It's rather to put our hope in the only one who is able to give seed that can grow, that can change, that can transform, that can build up. It is to look and see the one who fell into the ground, died, and was raised up as a some first fruits and produced life because of that death. The focal point of the kingdom then is Jesus. He is the one who has come. It is the message of him that is life-giving. The one who would enter it can only come by faith. That's the only way to see. You're not going to figure this out. That's why Jesus could tell it. Because see, the whole point of a parable is, as you look at a parable, you go, oh yeah, well I know how crops work. Sure, you know the sower sows. They drag the stick along. They cover it up with dirt. Where there's good soil, it grows up. Where there's hard soil, it doesn't. It gets eaten by the birds. Where You, you see the, the very familiarity of the parable for the people that were hearing it makes it almost impossible to see unless one has the ears of faith granted and given to them. So we see that to see it requires faith. To understand the parable of the kingdom, one must not only be enlightened. And see, here's where the danger comes this morning. Because I've now told you the key. You're enlightened. You understand what's happening here. But see, it's not enough to be enlightened about it. It's not enough to go, aha, so that's what this is all about. But it's to be changed. It's to be transformed. It's to be something different than you were. See, to leave here being a person who says, I now understand that parable is to be a person who doesn't necessarily understand the parable at all. Because see, to understand it is to be a person who's been changed, who's to be a person who sees and begins to live a life of liberality in keeping with God's liberality. It becomes a person who begins to, despite the obstacles that comes to them, stands firm because they're not looking at what men do or even what they're capable of, but they become a person who's completely consciously aware that it is God who's at work. And if God is for them, who can be against them? If God is doing all these things, it cannot fail. See, that's what the parable's point is. The harvest is coming no matter what the obstacle. God's people and God's church, even when it looks from people looking from the outside in or even people on the inside, seeing people fall away, seeing people act in ways that seem not in keeping that they don't lose heart, they don't become discouraged because the kingdom is advancing despite the obstacles. It also changes us to be people who will let nothing stand in our way because we desire more than anything else to seek the kingdom and to see it advanced, which means we have to be people who become convinced that the way it's advanced is its proclamation, is the foretelling of the great truth that Christ has come. That as Paul reminds us, this is of first importance, that Christ Jesus died for sinners, among which I am the first and foremost. That He was buried, and that three days later He rose again. 
See, it's people who become convinced that that is true and nothing can shut their mouths about it. Oh, winsomely, wisely, prudently spread, but spread nonetheless, liberally, wide, expansively, with great hope that a harvest is coming. May God make it so in our midst. Amen.